being pranked. Where is God? I can't believe in a God because of the conditions of the world. This is a common refrain I hear all the time. When I am evangelizing, when I am talking to friends and family members, the question is, where is God? And if God is real, if everything you believe about what you see in the scriptures is real, then why is the world still like this? Woody Allen is a complicated man, but he had a phrase that I think is really powerful, and I think it, it depicts our current climate. He says, God is an underachiever. That God created this world, and yet you look at the world and you just feel like, if that's the best that the brightest, smartest, most powerful person can do, then I'm not really impressed. And so at Christmas, at least how we celebrate Christmas in America, we, we ask the same question. Where is Jesus in the holiday season? I grew up non-religious, so I didn't attend church until I was well into my 20s, so I was 20, 20 exactly. Um, and believe it or not, it wasn't until I started worshiping in the church that I actually found out Christmas had something to do with Jesus. That's how divorced those two realities were for me growing up. I knew Santa, I knew you're supposed to get gifts, and I even knew Hanukkah more than I understood Christmas. So at least I knew Hanukkah, they did something with the candles and everything else. But the idea that this was supposed to be the celebration of Jesus' birthday was new to me until I started worshiping with other believers. It was very much an idea that this was a holiday to exchange gifts and be with family. You know, this time of the year, like Jesse mentioned, is probably one of the most stressful times of the year for a lot of people, and I think it gets more stressful the older you get. Um, maybe some of the more mature people might say, nah, it gets easier a little bit older, but right now, it's stressful. How many of you have taken holiday photos? I hate holiday photos. <laughs> but you know, you gotta take them, you gotta smile, you gotta get the kids to be in one spot, they have to be, it's challenging. You know, planning the dinners, what are we gonna eat? You're like, can we eat pizza? You're like, you can't eat pizza on Christmas. <laughs> can't eat tacos, you, you gotta do like ham or something like that. <laughs> traveling. I hate traveling, and I hate traveling more during the holidays. It's challenging. Everyone is just in a hurry. It just feels like everyone's talking. You can put your headphones in, and you can still hear them talking. Like, it is challenging. And then gifts, if you're like the person who don't care a lot about gifts, you got to get gifts, and you got to practice on your reactions. Like, whoa, thank you. <laughs> and then if you're the person giving gifts, you're like, they're going to hate it. I don't know why they just don't tell me exactly what they want. And then when you give the gift, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. You're like, it was just a piece of hate, Greg. Look at you. It can be stressful. You know, anxieties are high. And then it just feels like during the holiday, you have to maximize every single hour of the 24 hours allotted to us. Like, there's no margin during the holidays. It's just like, as soon as you wake up, it's cold. Everyone wants you and takes from you. And it can be challenging. And then there is the temple of the mall. <laughs> you walk into the mall, and you're just like, I am overwhelmed with the options. People want to give you samples. People want you to spray their cologne. There's just a lot yep. going on in the situation. And throughout all of that endeavor, I really don't see a lot of Jesus in all of it. It's just like, well, what is the holidays? And even as a faithful follower of Jesus, it can be very challenging. The LaFrance household is not without its challenges in these areas I just mentioned. Uh, so, this is supposed to be the good news of Jesus' birth, and yet when we think about the holiday season itself, 
it's about the good news of Jesus' birth. Maybe you do a family devotional and you just kick it off like, hey, let's pray about Jesus. He's the reason for the season. And then as soon as you close the Bible, it turns into mayhem again. It turns into challenges. And so the million dollar question, where is God? During the holiday season, we can ask the question, where is Jesus? We've been, like Jesse mentioned, we've been talking about the way of life, and I am fully persuaded that Jesus is the way of life. I am fully persuaded to follow Jesus will give us the life that we desire, the abundant life. But it isn't a life just for us. It's a life that we get to be a blessing to be, to be for others. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse um, 1. This is um, the story of Jesus' birth. Last week, we skipped it and talked about the quiet of the land, men and women who just exemplified this great, deep, devotional life. Today we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, the day before we celebrate holiday season. <clears throat> Alright, starting in verse 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there were no guest rooms available for him. And there, was, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their um, flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom he has favor, on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph the ba and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so you have this story. This is a story that so many of us are familiar with. And if you, if you are the type of person who likes titling messages, a savior is born is the title. Um, Luke gives us a lot of details here. It's really important because he's trying to paint a narrative. He's trying to paint a story. And so he begins by saying Emperor Augustus says, I want to take a census of the whole known world. I want to understand <clears throat> my strength and my financial backing. That's why a lot of leaders took census. So he got everyone to go back home. So he's like, okay, I, figured, I know how much we can tax people, and I know how strong our military will be in light of this situation. 
And so his influence, as you can clearly see, is so strong that everyone has to obey this. Can you imagine a mandatory um, trip to go back home? Some of us, that'd be a nightmare. Some of us, that'd be fired up. But he calls everyone to go back. And Joseph, Luke tells us, is from the line of King David. King David was, in my opinion, the greatest king of Israel. I think scripture backs my opinion, just to be clear. But he was the son of Jesse, and he was the greatest king of Israel. So David goes, I mean, Joseph goes back to Bethlehem when David was born, where Samuel anointed him. And it is in this place that Jesus was born. Jesus, the one promised by the angel Gabriel, was born in this location. You know, a lot of commentators, they debate the significance of Mary and Joseph not finding an ass. Some would say that's because everyone was hard-hearted and didn't want to have this family. They didn't care about a pregnant woman. Others would say this is actually very normal because the town of Bethlehem was in big. And as you clearly see, David, David had a lot of kids. If you read the scriptures, he had a lot of kids. So that family is huge with all these people returning in town. You see, the titles that the angel used of uh, the titles that the angel used of Jesus in verse eleven, when he says, "Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord." These are very similar titles that Augustus used of himself, that others used of Augustus, because King Emperor Augustus brought peace to the Roman world. The phrase is known as Pax Romana. In the Roman world, there was what so many people would consider a peaceful time. Now, we're going to check under the hood of that statement because just because it's peaceful on one level doesn't mean it's absolutely peaceful. But the roads were secure. Now you could travel anywhere you wanted in Rome. All major threats to the to the to the um, empire were, were quelled, so there was no challenges going on there. And more than anything else, the the Roman system, the Roman legal system, provided justice for all people especially for Roman citizens, and they had advanced health care. And so when Jesus is being told that he's coming and taking these similar titles, I want you to hear what the gospel writers are trying to say. Like Jesus' kingdom is a rival kingdom to the kingdom of Rome. Jesus' entrance is a rival entrance to that of Rome. And so I mentioned this before. In first century, around this time, or late, late first century B.C., around this time, the Jewish people feel like they're in exile, they're experiencing frustration, and they're fearful. They're in exile. They don't actually have control of their land. Rome does. They're experiencing frustration. The taxes are so high around this time um, in, in, in the land of Judea. And there's a great fear. There's a great fear that the world that they knew, the faith that they believe in, is being over Hellenized. First, it was initially Hellenized by the Greek Empire, but now that a lot of the Jews are starting to lose their distinctiveness, and this is challenging for many of them. And so as they sit in Rome, they're like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. But it wasn't unique to the Jewish people. All the people were on comfort the same way. During the holiday seasons, this is one of those unique times where I think we could resonate a great deal with what our, 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 our brothers and sisters in the first century were going through. For many of us, we are away from home, if not geographically, definitely emotionally. The holiday seasons can be very challenging to go back home. There are a number of people, even now, I hope there's no conflict happening in here, but odds are it's very likely, statistically speaking, somebody here is not fired up about someone else here. And you're about to have dinner and be locked in the house for the next couple of days with each other, and there's gonna be challenges. 
someone's gonna bring up politics. Oh. There's gonna be challenges. Someone's gonna share how the church hurt them. There's gonna be challenges. Someone's gonna share how, you know, I'm the one of four children, you never bought me something new. And that's gonna be the challenge. And then someone's like, well, they favored you all the time. And you're just gonna feel like, why did I come home? As parents, you might be thinking, did I really mess all of them up this bad? And there's gonna be a huge challenge and you feel just exile, like this isn't how it's supposed to be. You know, a lot of us in here, when we're thinking about the holiday season, we're like, I'm gonna make this little garden of Everyone's going to be laughing. We're going to be, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. But then when you actually come together, you know, it, it, it's very natural. Actually, I mean, and it, it's going to happen to us, too. Anytime I hang out with Julian's family, I realize, wow, that's interesting. Wow, that's interesting. Our boys are going to grow up one day, and they're going to prayerfully be married to someone, and they're going to be like, your dad is kind of... They're going to be having that talk at night about how crazy I am. And then I'm like, I'm not that crazy. You should have seen crazy, right? And, and, and that's just how it is, right? Like, I'm not going to be upset when they get with someone and they talk about me. I like the part of it. I talked about my parents. You're talking about me. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So there is a, a degree of um, frust- um, exile where we don't feel at home. There's a degree of frustration. You know, those of us, again, trying to create this perfect day, this perfect moment, we want to build these incredible memories. And you know, the challenge is not everyone is on the same page, and the reality is no one will ever be on the same page. I mentioned earlier taking photos. You know, that's one of the most uncomfortable things in the world. They're like, stand right here, smile, take your hand out of your pocket. (laughs) Look normal. (laughs) You're like, turn this way. Now pretend like you're laughing with your spouse. You look like you're being kidnapped. Your eyes said you're being kidnapped. It feels that way emotionally. It feels like giving away. But we can feel that. Or you put the perfect dinner and you're just hoping the person across from you like, wow, this is really good. Like, tell me about how you labored over this meal. But instead, people eat and keep eating, and no one says anything about your meal, so you bring it up. So what do you think? And that's because it was average. Now you're compelled as a Christian because you're like, I don't want to lie, but I don't want to discourage you. You know, this is an interesting taste going on right here. <laughs> <laughs> came about with this magic. And so there is a degree that we could feel like, I'm frustrated that I put so much time into this and it didn't work out the way it's supposed to. There's other of us who put no time into it and we're frustrated that we have to even consider it. I got to act like this is the most special day of the year. All days are holy in the name of the Lord. And, but you can feel the frustration. And then there's fear. You know, there's a lot of fear during the holidays. I, I know this, I was reading an article from um, from uh, Washington, the Washington Post. This day is the day that most people fear going home because of what I just mentioned earlier. This is different anxieties that come up being home. The unresolved conflicts, the unresolved challenges. So when you go home, just like, I'm going to get ready to knuckle up if you're the only Christian in the family. You're like, everyone's going to come for me. If you're the only person who's not a Christian in the family, everyone's going to come for me. If you're the person who believes this, you're, you were the oddball who wanted to vote for Joe Biden or the oddball who wanted to vote for Trump, you're like, everyone's going to come for me. Or you're the one who just don't like sports. All the guys are going to get over it. And you're like, I don't like sports, never like sports. I want to play the flute. And everyone's just like, why is he playing the flute? And you're like, that's just who he is. And you're like, we resent him for it, for not being united with the family. There's a great deal of fear. 
And then even with gifts, you know, I, 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 I think for a lot of us, you know, especially feeling like you have to keep up with the Joneses. Like, I gotta give a good gift. I gotta give an incredible gift. I gotta, not, not, not Tim and Chanel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> The regular Joneses, the proverbial Joneses, where those Joneses are, not these two Joneses. <laughs> but we can feel that, like, especially, you know, comparison, you're like, man, I got my kid, you know, he got an incredible scooter, and then the Miami's come with a motorbike, you're like, wow. What? You're like, wow, dude, it is, he even looks like, well, I ain't got a motorbike, he's like, because we love you, man, like, Miami's don't love their kids. <laughs> Very yeah. challenging. And just trying to navigate how do we do this well in a way that honors Jesus, I think is our calling in this moment. So the question is, where is God? I think it's more important, who is God? Jesus asked this question of his followers. He said, um, and I think this was one of his most important questions. Who do the people say that I am? That's what hopefully we walk away from the holiday season being able to answer that question. Like, who do we think Jesus is? Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 14. This should be a memory scripture for all of us. But if you don't want to memorize it, that's okay, man. Freedom in the Lord to you. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John begins his gospel with this prologue about who Jesus is. In the beginning with the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and this word became flesh. So the logic of God, the very nature of God, took on human flesh. And so who is Jesus? He is the word of God that has become flesh. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. I want to kind of paint us a picture of who Jesus' early followers got who he was. Because that will set the frame for how we think about who Jesus is and prayerfully how we think about this holiday season. Now we're up against huge cultural forces to keep Christmas the same and we're going to go up against it anyway, but I think we might have a chance if we understand who Jesus is. Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That word image is um, Greek, but would have been the same Hebrew word used in Genesis chapter 1, where it says God made man and woman in his image. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So when you think of being made in the image of God, prayerfully you're like the most perfect representation of what it means to be made in the image of God is the person of Jesus. He is the standard of what it means to be made in the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, distinguishing all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I can probably pick at least eight more scriptures to talk about who Jesus is. When the child was born and laid in the manger, 
God, the word of God became flesh. The image of the invisible God became flesh. The exact representation of who God is became flesh. And so when the angels are saying peace on earth, they understand something that it will take until Jesus' ascension for everyone else to understand that, wow, that really was God in the flesh. I love a quote from an author and a pastor by the name of Brian Zahn. He's like, Jesus is like God. Jesus has always been like God. There has never been a time that Jesus hasn't been like God. And so whatever is true of Jesus has always been true of the Father. And that is a challenging statement, especially when you read different parts of the Old Testament. But I would encourage you, pray on it. Ask yourself, if Jesus, if God doesn't change and Jesus is the exact image of God, how can I reconcile challenging parts of Scripture with the character of God? And I think that, that's a worthwhile endeavor for your lifetime to figure out how the um, God displayed in the Old, the Old Testament is also manifested in Jesus. And so this Jesus, this, this Jesus, this, this word of God become flesh, he is our Savior. He has come to save us. Now, many of us in middle class America don't ever feel like we need to be saved. That's, that, that's just one of the plagues of being middle class. You, you feel like when the scriptures talk about greed, it's never anyone in here. It's usually the people like, um, what's the guy for Amazon? Um, Bezos. Yes, it's him. I think he's the wealthiest or is it Elon still? Uh, it's no. always changing, but they're like, they're like in the battle for the top five for the last decade, right? Like, none of us are even close to cracking that. <laughs> that list right there. And, you know, honestly, even though my flesh might say, wow, you know what? If I was in the top five now, then I know I would be corrupt, man. I'd be buying smoothie bowls every single day, <laughs> three times a day. And you're like, Steve, you live in a dispensation. I'm like, I am, bro, and I'm enslaved to my money. But I'll be healthy, bro. It'll be encouraging. <laughs> I would probably spend probably about 10% of my money on the highest quality of food. That just tells you a lot about my heart. Um, I digress. Okay, so we are in a unique situation where we need a savior. It's hard right now this season to understand we need a savior because of our financial situation. And so that requires a deeper understanding of what Christ is calling us to. You see, I began with where is God? And I said, Jesus is God. But the world is still asking that question, where is God? And Jesus will say, wherever my spirit dwells, wherever my spirit dwells, that's where God is. When all of us made the good confession that Jesus is Lord and we were baptized, we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's it right there. Yes, that is. No, right there. Right there. Verse 38. Shout out to the church for putting these scriptures on the wall. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when the world is trying to figure out where God is, I think the world is really asking, where is God's body? Where is the body of Christ? Where is the church of the Messiah? You see, and during the holiday season, can we be the church of Messiah? During Christmas, can we show the world that actually we honor the living God, the, the one who rose from the dead, differently? We anticipate his coming, but how we celebrate Christmas, we do it completely differently. You see, to talk about Jesus is talking about God in the flesh. To talk about Jesus is to talk about his church. You know, I remember when I was first got baptized, I was afraid, um, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I can understand that sentiment, and, and that's not something... Um, but theologically speaking, to hate the church is to hate Jesus. Theologically speaking. But I understand the, the, the sentiment where, where people are coming from, like, the church is harmony. But 
that's because the church wasn't being faithful to who the head is. Um, but if they're being faithful to who the head is. But I want us to look at Titus chapter 2. This is really important. So this Jesus who came in the flesh, who is now dwelling among his church, his body, is the reason for the season. And what does he come to do in this unique season? Certainly speak to truth. Certainly speak to justice. And I think those are important elements of what it means to follow Jesus. But I think this element, at least in this season, at least on Christmas Day, is really important. Uh, Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. You like that, Pastor? Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us from a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Let's jump down to verse uh, 4 in chapter 3. Verse 4 in chapter 3 of Titus. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Here's the cool part. It took me a while to kind of pick up on this, and I'm hoping for a deeper Bible study with some of you biblical scholars in here. I argue that verse two, uh, in chapter 2, verse 11, when it says, in verse 12, it says, it teaches us, it's speaking about grace. I actually think he should be there. He teaches us. Because the grace of God that appeared, Paul using the same phrase in chapter 3, verse 4, and in chapter 11, I think that appearance is Jesus. When Paul says that the grace of God has appeared, he's talking about Jesus. And that he teaches us to say no to ungodliness. He shows us how to say no to ungodliness. And what is grace? Grace is a gift that God has given his people without regard to their merit. Everyone in here, regardless of your ethnic merit or your or moral merit, God has given you this unique gift that you can know him, be in covenant with him, experience the healing and the shalom that he provides. And so it's really important during this holiday season, what's the best gift you can give your family? Grace. 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 We are not trying. We can give the world back its blue ribbons. We don't want to have a picture-perfect family, though that's nice if you can accomplish it. We don't want to have the most perfect meal, though that's encouraging if you can have it. We don't want to. We just want to give this world grace. We want our houses, our homes, or if we visit each other, to be non-anxious. I would pay you money if your house had zero anxiety. I would come. I'm like, what, how much do I have to pay to walk in here so I can be non-anxious? You see, this is part of what Jesus is saving us. You know, the piece he's talking about for sure, big picture theology he's talking about, our reconciliation with God. But also think little picture, he's talking about our peace amongst one another. 
we should be the most joyful people during this season instead of being as stressed as the world around us, yeah. as challenged as the world around us. We should walk into the holiday season. If a family member doesn't like you, you are eager to hear them sympathetically, offer forgiveness, offer apologies, whatever needs to be offered so you can experience the shalom of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. We should walk into the holiday season. If you get the worst gift ever, to say thank you. Thank you for this terrible gift. You can speak the truth in love. Like, thank you. You thought of me. You weren't super thoughtful, but at least you thought of me. Thank you so much. Like, I'm joking on one level, but on another level, we can speak truth. I, I think we can't we can't shake the truth. Right? If it's a bad gift, you got to be like, this was awful. But you thought about me, and that was good. It, it was, it, you're moving in the right direction. Make sure I just tell you exactly what I want. <laughs> you know, we can come into the holiday season and not have, and even teach our children and teach people around us, our, our, our spirit is gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. So if we got to give, we're like, amen, thank you. And if you, if you were the parent who gave the best gift, you say, praise God that I was able to do this. But you teach your kids, like even if kids don't have the same gifts as we have, if they have someone who loves them, which they do, the father, then they got the best gift in the entire world. Yeah. And that's what we put our hope around. So what can we do in this holiday season? I want to put before you, again, LaFrance household is a work in progress. I'm not speaking as if we do this either. I come, I'm the Grinch in the house, so Jules is like Christmas spirit. All day. Everyone's singing Christmas songs, and I'm like, that tree doesn't represent the cross. And I, and I just walk away. Pray for me. <laughs> but what I think, up the end a little bit, let's really talk about Jesus to begin the morning. We're not meeting together collectively, but let's talk about Jesus. Let's really slow down and talk about Jesus. That's easy for us of you guys. Here's the, here's the challenging part. Let's bring up Jesus back in the afternoon. Noon, man, in the thick of it. Once everyone's starting to get stressed, you do another devotional. Ten minutes. Just ten minutes. And everyone's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Now we're back to the madness. And then at dinner time, right before dinner, you do a five-minute devotional. Jesus. And let's see what happens. We may not do that in our household because we're not going to be home for um, Christmas. But I would love to hear what God does with your families if you bring up Jesus consistently throughout the day. And remember that that baby in the manger is our savior. And he's saving us. And one of the things he will give us is peace. Again, big time peace with the Father, but I think little peace with one another during this holiday season. Let's say um, a prayer for communion. So what we're gonna do is, for communion, we're just gonna work our way to the center. So we start right here, and then we just go, 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 go. So we're gonna be kind, we're gonna be merciful, we're not gonna judge each other. So someone in the back row just wants to go in the front, we're not gonna judge them today. We'll talk to them about it on Mondays. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you skipped them. But today, we practice grace, man. And so let's let's pray for 